This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast, episode 126. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. What's up, Steve? Well, same old, brother. Just uh, yeah, man. recouping and recovering from a long weekend of hard labor. Yeah, I saw you were down there on the farm doing some work. Yeah, well, uh, decided this year that we're going to dive in head first and make this, this property worthwhile. You know, kind of stupid to have 100 acres that you're not working to build better and run around the country and do stuff so kind of readjusting everything and it's it's the goal this year to set that up and pull some deer off it this year the way to go man you've been putting in a lot of time and effort and it'll all pay off in the end yeah tell my back that (laughs) (laughs) you know the sweat equity it's totally worth it dude i promise you oh yeah good food plot i I do miss hunting over well-groomed food plots and the success that comes from them what what just just give me time and patience, man. I'll get you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, we, I, you know, up until a couple of years ago, um, living with Caddy Cowboy, he had he always had the greatest food plots around. And and the hunting was great. I mean, Michelle was able to shoot one of her first deer off of it. And and it, it there was always deer there, man. Like if you wanted a consistent deer, you go up there and shoot it. So yep. I, I can't wait to see what you you you've built down there and, and uh, see the success that comes from it. It's it's coming along, but a a hundred acres is a lot of property to develop quick. So we're doing it a block at a time and a piece and a step at a time, and it, it's it's going to be sweet. Three years from That's now, awesome. it's going to be money. Did you find any sheds while you were down there? Oh, we looked our asses off. Found a lot of good runs, saw a lot of good stuff. Didn't find a single yep. shed. 
got home and today the trail cameras popped up and we had bleeding nubs coming off of a couple of deer walking through the uh, property. It's like, man, we missed it by three days. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. Yeah. Everybody across the board, it seems that guys have all starting to see sheds that are starting to hit the ground. Um, I'm up to number five for the season. Got out this weekend, uh, went out and helped the uh, caddy cowboy take down a couple of, um, a couple of tree stands, couple of actually, if a lot of you guys probably don't even know this, but spy point, um, if you have a three G spy point, it's soon to not work. Yes. You got um, some, them. some, and some, some of them will, some of them won't. And it's um, not just, all going to it's 4G. not just spy point. We had the same thing with our right. Bushnells and all of our stealth cams. We had to update. Oh, so every camera company company that run on three G, you're going to either have to update or replace. Yeah. So, so if they're 3G, they'll end up getting knocked off the, the thing. So we had to go out and steal some of the cameras. He's going to end up sending them back with Cousin Ed back to South Africa to use for regular cameras. And then they nice. had given him some type of credit or whatever. So yeah. we're out there, me and Rue, and we ended up finding one little uh, what a half of a four-point, you know, uh, just, just a two-point. Hey, nice little bones little bone man. show. Yeah, it was cool, man. I mean, it. It's that's one of the things with the dog training is that, you know, when you're out there, it doesn't really matter what it is. As long as she's finding something, some type of reward and having that type of scent, you know, like I found the shed, um, but she I just worked her into a downwind and got her on it. You know, I mean, she's not going to find every single one of them and not every single shed that we find is one that she gets. But, you know, I don't go in and touch them. I let her work into them and get them. You know, I mean, that's just the best thing about it. And then, you know, because if you put your human scent anywhere near it, she's not going to, yep. she's not going to know, Confuses you know, it. I mean, that's, that's dog training in itself. Yep. You know, you're never going to see me with an as it lays unless I'm by myself um, that, that you got to work the dog into it and, and then reward her from it and then just keep moving on. But it is cool to find them when she is with me because then it's just more chances of her getting, you know, clicking in her head. She's still Absolutely. only two years old, so. I can't wait. And we were just talking about this before we had hit record was moose sheds. It's going to be like freaking June by the time <laughs> I'm going to be able to get up there. Keep seeing all the snow coming. And it's like, stop. You have the month of August. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Sucks, man. It does. And we like middle. I don't want to leave in the middle of turkey season. I was hoping that they weren't going to have any snow and then leave early. But um, speaking of snow, it's supposed to snow this weekend here. And I'm kind of pissed about it because we have the local um, Springfield Sportsman Show at the Big E Convention Center uh, here this coming up weekend. I'm not sure that my Honda Civic is going to make it all the way up there. It's <laughs> one of the things I'm kind of worried about. Yeah. Um, if, if you guys are bored and have nothing to do, come and visit. The Outdoor Drive has a booth, uh, booth number 312. Uh, it's right next to Circle Tackle. It's kind of a crazy thing, but we ended up getting a booth there. So really excited for it. Come and check it out. I'm actually going to have the Ohio deer with me, which is kind of excited. I know you guys are sick and tired of seeing pictures of it and hearing about it, but I'm still kind of excited. So that's what it's about. Well, about it. <laughs> and you have to think about it. That That's an anchor point of the show. That was very going back to when we started this and running through on our first year out of state running into Ohio, first big deer down, first good camera setups, you know, first big show, our first pop on YouTube, that buck means a hell of a lot more than just, hey, I like it. I mean, that, that it's a staple to it's the a show. Staple. 
Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. It, it is. And it's not just me that killed that deer. It was everybody that was in camp. I mean, it was a part of everybody. Yeah, you know, it that, just it wasn't just me. It was a yeah, team effort. That story that was, was not just my deer. That was days and days and days of looking and following and tracking and figuring it out and mm-hmm. try this over here and let's try this over there. And there's and a lot of learning that went into it. So mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I don't care if anyone's bored and sick and tired of seeing it. That deer's a big part of the show, whether anyone likes it or not. So yeah. quit complaining it's, and go see it. For nobody yourself. was complaining. I just kind of started to feel bad that there <laughs> no, was no, pictures no. of it. I'm just saying week. if anyone's tired of seeing it, they need to go see this deer in person because yeah. you know, pictures do not do that deer justice. It does it's not. True. You no. have to see I, it. It's crazy because um, when I, so when I had showed up, Chris had called me about it. He's like, dude, this deer is huge. And I, he's like, everything about it is big. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, the form is giant because it's like a 26 or 27 inch neck on it. I mean, the whole, it carries itself all the way through the shoulders. I mean, it's just absolutely giant. Oh, I remember. I had everything to help drag it out. Giant. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, it, it doesn't know justice, bro. Like, honestly, I think it actually takes away from the rack because it's such a big body deer. Like, and, and he stretched it to his potential. Yeah. And that that's one thing I want to point out why I said you have to see this deer. You see mm-hmm. the pictures. You don't realize how big a rack that is because the body is so big. So big. It's nuts. It's insane. It definitely is. So I will be up there this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then next weekend is the Iowa Deer Classic. We'll also be there in Iowa. Um, super excited to go out there, being in the Midwest. Sadly, Stephen won't be able to join us on that trip. He decided to buy seeds instead, which I don't blame him <laughs> one bit. I am not saying that in negative don't, don't get me wrong. Means. Don't give me wrong. Yes. I want... Nothing more. You don't know how bad, especially after today's conversation, how bad I want to be there. I know. But yeah, it was one of those things that I had to sit back and go, okay, this either gets done now and we have things for the fall. And and I know it's not you. I'm just saying so everyone knows I'm not Mm -hmm. bailing on this lightly. It was food plots and everything established to hunt this fall Mm -hmm. or not. And I had to make a split decision. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. There really isn't. So if you guys are going to be at either show, I will be there. You're more than welcome to come and hang out, say hello. Now, um, now I will say, if anyone wants to take pity on me and buy a plane ticket, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> this is true. This is true, man. Well, why don't we... Uh, why you know maybe maybe our sponsors let's 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 give them a rip off real quick maybe uh one of them will help you out let me uh let me let me go down the old list here run them through through it all right first off uh let's start off with rack bracket man uh rack bracket use the promo code outdoor drive 10 save yourself 10 percent. i see in all these deadheads go and get yourself a rack bracket is the most sturdy well-built euro bracket on the face of the earth. Um, it's the only one you can, you can do so much with it. Probably I, it's, it's my favorite. It's the only thing that's going to be a Euro is going to be hung on here uh, in my studio. Nor'easter game calls, Nor'easter game calls.com still working on the mouth calls. If you guys haven't gone over there, go over there and check them out. Uh, the Ridge runner, there's going to be a cedar uh, one that's being built actually as we speak and will be released for this Turkey season. As always the pot calls, um, 
the outdoor series. There's going to be a little change. We got something really cool coming out for those. So stay tuned to that. Check them, check them out on all social media platforms. You do not want to miss out. New Air Archery, newairarchery.com, the home of the Zeus Broadheads, um, smashing shoulders and breaking hearts since the beginning of time. Um, Zeus Broadheads, Latitude, Latitude's Outdoors. Guys, keep your eyes peeled on this. I know that it's it's we're getting to that time before the deer season starts. Latitude has a huge um, line of stuff coming out, platform sticks, so on and so forth. So make sure you check them out, latitudeoutdoors.com. They are the home of the Method 2 and the Classic 2. Uh, it's a two-part panel on the Method 2. Novix Outdoors, Novix Outdoors, um, promo code Outdoor Drive 15 save yourself 15%. They make the mini sticks. You guys have all seen our mods on that one. Also, they make a bunch of really good, um, the Hilo, which is probably the one that will be running for this season. Uh, this the stand there. Uh, Gator Outdoors, GatorOutdoors.com. Use promo code Outdoor Drive 25. Um, Gator Outdoors be the reason. We did send in the list for the squirrel competition. Just waiting on prints. I know it's kind of a long run, but guys, we will be getting your t-shirts out to you. I promise you. Uh, we got to come up with a little bit better of a system on that. But uh, I definitely will have them, and I promise you, uh, they will be out shipped soon. Uh, going into competitions really quick, the Coyote competition is out um, and it has start. We're going to run it a little bit longer. I think it's a two-month period on this one. Uh, it's going to be kind of cool. We have the biggest, the smallest, and the prettiest. Uh, videos have to be submitted onto the Outdoor Drive page um, from tip to tail, and uh, the video has to of you measuring the Coyote to get in on that one. Uh, right now, we have Nor'easter Game Calls. They gave a bunch of calls. Uh, I'll post those things up. And then also, Talk About It Outdoors also donated a uh, prize package for the prettiest Coyote so far. So the more prizes will start to come in. Chelsea Pebbles, she also donated a drag. So there's a lot of prizes that will be coming in as the thing goes on, and I'll announce them as they come. But get out there, kill them things, uh, them fawn killers, and uh, we'll see you guys over on the Outdoor Drive page. Definitely, man. And let me tell them talk about it, boys. They've been getting it on them dogs. Mm. Yeah, they're, Alex they're just came me back jealous. from East Tennessee. <laughs> he was out in East Tennessee. He didn't go to the NWTF convention. He went to East Tennessee and was actually coyote hunting. So I didn't know he was that big of a coyote hunter, but I do now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, super impressed. So mm, keep it too. up, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of buddies, why don't we uh, tune on into uh, Mike Salter? I think you're on to something there, and let's just fire it off. Bringing you the news for the cruise is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. Hey, everyone. We're going to start this one off this week with a couple big-time poaching cases. Uh, the first one in Montana where a hunter has received a lifetime ban on hunting and trapping. Shiloh Berry pleaded guilty to several charges stemming from a poaching a trophy moose in 2019. Not only did he poach the trophy moose, but he only took the head and left the rest uh, to rot. So the punishment for the crimes uh, are a lifetime ban on hunting and trapping in Montana, a three-year suspension of fishing privileges, a suspended five-year prison sentence, and $12,100 in fines. So it's nice to see a, the steep penalties uh, in such a case, but many say it's still not enough and that a harsher sentence should have been given. 
which I have to tend to agree based solely on the cost of a moose hunt in Montana alone. So now to Michigan, where some even harsher penalties uh, for poaching have been given out. Justin Ernst pleaded guilty to illegally taking nine trophy bucks last year. As part of his plea deal, Ernst was given a lifetime hunting revocation, ordered to pay $25,000 in reimbursement, forfeited all seized items, and will be serving 18 months to five years in prison for the violations. A punishment well-fitting of the crimes, and it's nice to see some harsh penalties being enforced uh, for poaching across the country instead of just the slap on the wrist that we typically see. So now to Ohio and a couple of additional proposed changes to the hunting regulations. The biggest one is a proposed change in the definition of a crossbow, which will remove the reference to traverse limbs and requirement for stock length of 25 inches. The new definition will still require crossbows uh, be equipped with limbs and a shoulder mount stock, but will now allow for newer designs that are shorter and have different limb configurations. The DNR is also proposing to remove restrictions for taking a wild animal with concealed firearms to allow uh, hunters to carry and hunt with a legally concealed firearm. Uh, comments can be submitted on these proposals uh, and several others through March 16th through Ohio DNR's webpage. Now to Vermont and possible increased moose hunting opportunities in the Northeast Kingdom. Vermont Fish and Wildlife has proposed issuing 100 moose permits in Wildlife Management Unit E in the Northeast corner of the state. Uh, these permits are being proposed in order to reduce the impact of winter ticks on the moose population. The goal is to reduce the number of moose and thereby reduce the abundance and impact of winter ticks uh, and improve the health of the moose in the unit. Moose densities in WMUE are still over the one moose per square mile target and significantly higher than any other part of the state. The department plans to issue 60 either sex moose tags and 40 antlerless tags for the 2022 season. The proposal does mirror the permits allotted for the 2021 season, and the department is accepting comments on this proposal through March 31st by emailing anr.fwpublickcomment at vermont.gov or by leaving a voicemail at 802-828-7498. So now for a couple fishing records, first to Texas where Randy Howell broke the Bass Pro Tour big bass record with a 10-pound, 11-ounce bass caught in Caney Creek Reservoir. Um, then, if that wasn't enough, the Alabama Pro broke his own record not 24 hours later with a massive 12-pound, 14-ounce bass on Bussy Break Reservoir. That 12-pound, 14-ounce fish also set a new lake record. So, congratulations to Howell uh, on three records in a 24-hour span. Now to North Carolina, where Todd Spangler broke one of the state's oldest fishing records, and he did it with a rod he made himself. Spangler caught a 12-pound, 8-ounce speckled trout in the lower Noose River. The massive trout bested the previous record of 12 pounds, 4 ounces, which was caught off uh, Wrightsville Beach in 1961. So congrats to Spangler on a trophy and besting a 61-year-old record. With that, as always, if you have any news, please send it along. You can reach out to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or Bearded underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. As always, Mike, doing the news for your crews. Guys, if you guys have any news, anything that comes up or has been going on, I know it's that time of year uh, where laws and regulations and all these things come and pop up. 
send them over to Mike Salter, uh, Bearded Bowhunter21 on Instagram or Mike Salter on Facebook. Or you can even send it out to the Outdoor Drive podcast at gmail.com and we will make sure to get it on over to him. So thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. What do you think, buddy? Should we go and see our good buddy from the Outdoor Call Radio, Mr. Dan Young? I think we should. Dan. A lot of you guys know the name, and if you don't, you will soon. So, You're uh, a fool if you don't. Stay tuned, tune in, and in that case, tune in to that as well. Especially if you like what we're doing, because he's doing a lot of it 24 7, 365. All right, we're back on the phone with Dan the Man. I want to introduce you guys to a really good friend of ours, Outdoors Dan. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, hola, amigos. <laughs> What's happening, brother? I'm just sitting here in the in the office and thinking about turkeys. You know, that's that's a great thing because I'm thinking about turkeys too. Yeah, I got I got my crappie hat on. I'm thinking walleye, crappie, and turkey. That's <laughs> that's going to sustain me for the next twelve weeks. You do something really special with the turkeys, though. Decapping, man that that is a skill in itself. Yeah, I, I don't know. Of all the things I've ever that I get the bow hunt every year, turkeys has always been one of my favorites. I, I, and the reason is it took me forever to get good at actually calling them in, and they they just they made an idiot out of me so many times. And uh, after after about three or four seasons, and I started learning about tones and cadences and when to call, when not to call. And I, I always tell everybody on the radio shows, I'm I'm living proof that anybody can kill a turkey. <laughs> and so when they come in, I take exceptional pleasure in just walking them in the head. You know, a little payback time. Yeah. But the thing is, you got to get them pretty close when you're decapping, no? Uh, 10 to 12 yards, yeah. yeah. That's skill. That's yeah. definitely skill. Well, Dan, why don't we dive into it? Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Well, my name's Dan Young, but my radio and TV name's been Outdoors Dan for the last 25 years. Um, I grew up in a small town in Washington, Missouri, which is uh, about 40 minutes west of St. Louis. And uh, that's where I fell, fell in love with the outdoors. I uh, grew up on a non-working farm, and my dad my mom used to let me go fishing after school every day. And then my aunt and uncle would come out, and my uncle and my dad and I would go squirrel hunting and uh, I got in just, I just fell in love with it from uh, the time I was old enough to hold a shotgun and uh, a rod and reel and just uh, go from there. And uh, I didn't really get into the, to the bow hunting or the big game hunting until I was probably in my mid thirties. And uh, I just, it ruined me. I fell in love. First time I put a compound bow, I can still remember the first time I held a compound bow. It was a, it was a bear. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the model of it, but it was a, it was a bear bow that a friend of mine got at Target, which is a retail store in the Midwest. And uh, you guys got Targets out there? Yeah, oh, yeah. we do. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Or, or, I'm sorry. Tarjay. <laughs> Tarjay. You know, yeah. How, if you want to church it up a little. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, they, uh, I, I just, I got that bow and it was, it was, uh, it was so long ago. We had three steel pins. And we thought we were really high tech when we would dip them in fluorescent paint so we could see the pins, you know, we thought that was just the bomb. And, uh, I just, I don't know, man, it, it ruined me to be honest with you, because the moment I, I shot my first few flights of arrows, that's all I wanted to do was, uh, just, uh, figure out a way to make a living in the outdoors. And, um, it all kind of worked out. So what do you think your font your I want to ask this. What 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 do you think your fondest memory was when you started bow hunting? 
Um, gosh, I, I can still remember my first, uh, my first deer I shot. Uh, that was, that was a friend of mine and I went down to uh, St. James, Missouri, which is like, um, it's Western, it's Southwestern Missouri, but a uh, really, really cool place to go. And we got, we got in, uh, put a couple of ladder stands in and, uh, we just started hunting. And then the second day I had a really nice little scrub buck come in. And he finally came in and gave me a 22 yard shot. And I was shooting fingers back then, back in, back in the Flintstone days of my hunting career, you know, we had, we had 44 inch bows, long bows and steel cables. And, yep. uh, I, and I shot, I shot three fingers. I shot three fingers below the knock and that buck came in and it all worked out. And my friend got to see him shoot my first ear and, uh, I thought that was a pretty cool memory. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, he passed away a few years ago. Sorry and uh, well, yeah, I was too. He died real young, but uh, you know that's that's the kind of stuff you remember. It's you know with me, I've been doing this for for 25 years as a living for a profession now, and you know with you know I've never ever wanted to be the best, um, and I tell everybody that on the shows. I'm I'm just an average guy that loves to hunt and fish, and it just uh, it, it's uh, it's been a it's been a pretty fun ride so far. So, so then you, you kind of made a move after you lived in Missouri and you moved to the mid Midwest. What was the reason for all that? Well, I got it. I got it. Uh, I got into radio finally, uh, back in 97. I got a real, I got a job at a real small radio station and I got a job doing sales. And, uh, I, I just, like I said, I, I just was ate up with the archery. I was just going out shooting two, three, three D tournaments a weekend. I go shoot one, then I go to another one and shoot another one. And um, I finally just talked to Boston. I said, listen, I, I want to do an outdoor show. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll give you an hour if you can go get sponsors. So that next 10, 12 days, I went out and I just bugged a, a whole bunch of vendors until I finally had enough sponsors to do a show. And I did that for about a year. And then I uh, got hired by another station to do uh, station management and to keep doing the outdoor show. And then I've I uh, was I was doing that at a Christian station, and I did a chair. My dad passed away in 1998. He was uh, 58 years old. Died having non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So my dad got to see me finally realize my dream, you know, of making the outdoors a career. And uh, I started a charity for my dad, and uh, we uh, had some of the ex-Cardinal baseball players come out. We did a big outdoor day at a park. We did a fishing. Uh, Kenny Reitz and some of the other guys uh, from the Cardinals ambassadors came out, and we had a whole bunch of people come out. It was it was a pretty big deal. We raised a lot of money. And long story short, the American Cancer Society got got all the proceeds for that. And uh, in doing that, I got to meet some uh, people at a major market station. And when I met them, I got hired on in St. Louis at, uh, at a big station. And I got to do an afternoon drive show, uh, just do an outdoors Dan report for like five, 10 minutes during like on a Wednesday or Thursday. And it just took off for me. And I was there for a few years. And one of the guys that ran the sports department uh, or was in the sports department moved back to Des Moines. He started a, a brand new sports station in Des Moines. And he goes, Hey, you got to come up here. The hunting's phenomenal. Um, you know, and I'd always heard how good Iowa hunting was. Right. And it's one of the tougher uh, states to get a non-resident tag in. So my wife at the t uh, was actually uh, from Des Moines. So it kind of just worked out and they hired me over the phone and I moved up uh, to uh, uh, Des Moines 21 years ago and it just went, 
crazy. Uh, the show took off and I started doing TV news. I started doing an outdoors dance segment on, on a CBS affiliate in Des Moines. I did that for like six years. And then out of that, the TV show took, got started. And uh, that was called Outdoors Traditions. And uh, my buddy Jeff and I did Outdoors Traditions. We did, were on the air for 20 years on TV. Wow. So the, so the radio shows have been on for 25 years. And uh, I had a good 20-year run on TV. And you know, mediocrity at its best, I always like to say. Wow. That's you know? so cool. So but, you kind uh, of watched the whole evolution of the the TV network. Yeah, when I started, Trevor, uh, there really wasn't a lot of shows. There was probably a dozen shows, and that was it. it, it you know, the, the the outdoor industry, when I got going, was a really a real tight-knit, closed, small family. And it was it, I got in at the right time, to be honest with you, because there were so many mom and pops that owned uh, businesses. You could go to ATA or you could call them up on the phone and actually get a hold of somebody mm-hmm. and have a conversation, and you could, you could uh, start a relationship. And... One of the things I'm probably most proud of of everything I'm, I've done in my career is I usually keep about 90 to 95% of my partners every year. And they've been with me. A lot of my partners have been with me for 16, 17, 18 years. Wow. That's incredible. That means that just means you're a good guy, Dan. Well, you know, I learned something a long time ago. My dad, my dad was in sales and he told me it was easier to keep the people you have happy than go look for new people all the time. And that stuck with me. And it served me pretty well, guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and it's and it's so cool that to watch you kind of grow because now you're with respect the game. So you're still in the TV thing. Well, I'm still doing TV. I I, uh, I I I I tell you what, it's people just a lot of people don't understand how much work it is to host, produce, and we bow hunted everything on the show. Um, you know, uh, we were talking about turkey hunting. I mm-hmm. I arrowed my 90th turkey last season. Congratulations. And, and I'm more proud of that than I am my my Pope and Young bucks. Or I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love my bucks, my whitetails. But them turkeys just drive me nuts. They used to drive me nuts, man. I, they'd have me talking to myself. What, you know, you know, muttering, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> so, so when it all works out, it just means so much more to me. But um, yeah, I, I can't believe I've actually got 90 under my belt. And I'm hoping before I'm done, I get 130, 140 birds with my bow. That 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 would be pretty cool. What do you What do you think is your favorite state to hunt for turkeys? Well, I love Iowa, Missouri, Kansas. Kansas is one of my favorite because I've got some really good buddies down there, uh, down in the uh, central part of Kansas. And when I uh, I met those guys on a bear hunt, uh, that actually that bear that's right behind me there, I uh, shot that up in Minnesota. And I met those guys uh, on a bear hunt right real close to there. And we just uh, started talking and they started showing me all these pictures of these double drop tying whitetails. And it's like this, they, they had tons of them. And it's like, I'm just sitting there like, you know, it's like I, I've never even seen a double drop tying. And these guys have got them all. And we just became really good buddies. And they invited me to come down. And um, we I've been hunting down there with them for uh, probably close to 16, 17 years. And then they, uh, three, two or three years after I started hunting, they got an outfitting business going. And, uh, I mean, they, they do a great job. Triple H outfitters. Oh yeah. Uh, you hear Philip Vanderpool, Larry and I, Larry McCoy and I, we all hunt down there with them. I, uh, I got Philip down there a long time ago and now I can't get him out of there. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, it's really probably one of my favorite places to go. And I'll, I'll, one of the memories I'll always carry with me. This was pretty cool. When the first year I hunted there, I had over six, 65, 70 toms fly over my blind in the morning 
there was there was so many turkeys down there because nobody really messed with them. And to have 60 or 70 toms in a big winter wheat field with all, I mean, there had to have been over 120 birds in the field. It was the coolest thing I ever saw in my life. That's I'll never so forget awesome. that. That was pretty cool. Wow. And what time of the year was that, Dan? In April. Oh, it was. So it was right around hunt. So you were down there turkey hunting at the time? or I used to go down every spring and in the fall. They, they, they would have anywhere from 275 to 300 birds in a flock in the winter, all flocked Holy together. Holy cow. And we'd go down there and we'd shoot three or four hens every year because they had so many birds. We we called it the getting even season because we'd go shoot a couple <laughs> hens, right? I yeah. like it. You know, and, you know, and uh, but you know that's that's changed too, guys. Because um, the last three or four years, you know, turkey populations have really struggled. The last uh, probably three to five years. I don't know how it is on the East Coast. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, but I mean, our bird populations aren't worth what they were twenty years ago. What do you think that that adds to a lot of that? Do you think that it's because they're ground nesting and the, all the wet, the wetness, or do you think that it has to do with ground predators? Well, it's a combination of both. You got spring rains, you got the flooding issue, uh, lack of loss of habitat. The number one threat to the hunting industry is not anti-hunting; it's the loss of habitat. You know, pe- people every year are losing ground that they used to be able to go and hunt. They they get they get bought out, turn into subdivisions, uh, developments, and that's really the number one threat to hunting. But as far as uh, between the loss of habitat, uh, our spring rains, uh, predation, you know, with the the price of furs dropping as much as it has the last several years, um, there's not as many people out there running trap lines. So you got all the nest robbers, the raccoons, the skunks, the possum, the squirrels, crows. You got snakes. I mean, all of those take a take a, a pretty good toll on a turkey clutch you know a turkey historically when they lay their eggs you're looking at nine to eleven eggs in a, in a nest or clutch mm-hmm. and they're lucky to get one or two poults to actually survive through that yeah and they can so one of the things that i learned too with them is that they can actually have two two clutches so if they lose the first one they can have a second clutch but right. with everything going on it's so tough and like you said they'll only you see hens with like you said, one or two, three. Yeah, that's that's the average now. And and what they'll do, Trev. Uh, you know, I've had I've talked to so many biologists over the years. Uh, the, a hen will keep trying to nest until she has a successful clutch, but every time that she re-nests, the amount of eggs goes goes down dramatically. So, oh, so she can do it more than twice. I was yeah. under the impression it was only she, twice. She's going to keep trying to re-nest until she has a, a successful hatch. Okay, but it, instead of ten to twelve you might be down to one or two eggs before, you know, like I'm, she's on her third or fourth attempt, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're resilient animals. They're going to try and repopulate as much as they can. So it's crazy because like here they didn't growing up. Uh, I think just when I had was able to hunt here, they had just started to have a Turkey season. I mean, we didn't have one for the longest time and they kept, they, they had taken them in from Maine and they had relocated them here. And we finally, now we had a really good population. But one of the things that they did here was we can shoot five birds here. Yeah. And that's just, I think it's just acidine, honestly. Well, I'm sure that's going to change. You know, I hope it doesn't for you. Mm-hmm. But, if, you know, the biologists, they, they they keep a close eye on that. So hopefully they're they're seeing what's going on. But, yeah, Larry and Ryan and Paul, um, I, I got to the point where I was really tired of hosting and producing. We, see, we got on a tangent. See, yeah. you did have a squirrel. You're as bad as me. See, I'll be on the radio show and I'll be talking, and then somebody will ask me something, and the next thing I know, I'm talking about what kind of Pop-Tarts I like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'm totally getting away from the king. 
But um, I retired Outdoors Traditions TV after 20 years and because I had an opportunity to go work with Larry McCoy and Ryan Huser and, and Paul Biggs at uh, Respect the Game TV. And uh, my shows were all regional. Uh, so we were on Fox Sports Midwest and we ran it on the uh, Fox affiliate in, in Iowa. But uh, to, to be on the Sportsman's Channel with uh, quality of guys like Larry, Ryan, and Paul, this is going into my third season now with those guys. And uh, it's, it's, it's actually fun to do it again. And I know that sounds stupid, but when you make your job or your, your hobby your job, you're putting – it's, it's – it, there's a lot of pressure that goes with that. And mm-hmm. I don't have all that pressure on me anymore because there's four of us instead of two of us, two of us trying to get shows done. And it's got to be fun. I mean, you're working with Larry Mack. I mean, he's. Well, yeah. I mean, if you can spend the day with a Larry Mack attack, I mean, what's not to love, right? <laughs> That's right. That's a handful right. in itself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, how did this season unveil for you? You had a pretty good season, or what? I had one of the best, worst seasons a guy could ever have. <laughs> I like that. Why is that? <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you, I was, uh, it, I, uh, I went to Montana. I was out at Trophies Plus Outfitters, and uh, I uh, was out getting after. I never had shot a mule deer before. Uh, last year, I was blessed to get a really nice elk in Colorado, and I wanted to try and do a muley this year. So I went out and saw Mike and Esther Watkins out of Trophies Plus in Alzada, Montana. And I'd been out there before. Um, I shot um, my uh, antelope, a couple antelope, and I've got a really nice little whitetail behind me that uh that i shot a long time ago out there but i never got a chance at a mule deer so i went out there and uh my buddy matt who lives out there by you guys on the east coast he was kind enough to drive all the way from pennsylvania to to go out to montana with Ooh. me to help out. that was a nice little drive that's for a ride yeah that's my buddy from the keystone experience good guy did you get did you guys hook up did you know we didn't no i you wish we didn't know you got to get together there, you guys we would like, you guys would like each other but um we went out there and uh, long story short, had two days of great hunting. I tagged out on the second day and uh, got my very first uh, mule deer in velvet, which was just awesome. Wow. So, that's so, so that, cool. that started the season so well. And then we went to Kansas and I had 184, I, I'm going to say 180 plus whitetail come in. And uh, I, I, I have not messed up a shot on a deer in years. I mean, it's probably been 15, 16 years. And I guess I was due because, um, a deer came in. I, I was, I, my heart was pumping and, and yes, my heart still goes pumping. And, and I, 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 I get excited. If that ever goes away, I'll quit. Yep. But, uh, I, uh, I had that buck come in and I'm sitting there trying to tap the, the stand. Uh, Ryan's dad, Kent was there filming me from the show, from the TV show. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm grabbing Kent's boot going, big buck, big buck, big buck. And I'm grabbing my bow. And, I mean, the deer is 35, 40 yards coming in. And I'm going, big buck, big buck. And then I see him move the camera. So I go, so, okay, so I get my bow. I got my elite remedy. He comes in and, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I was doing that. <laughs> shaking, shaking. But he came in straight to me. So I'm sitting there. He's at 32 yards. And I'm sitting there just waiting for him. I go, all you got to do is just turn, just turn sideways and give me a nice broadside or a corner way shot. He never turns. So I'm sitting there taking, it's taking forever and forever and forever. And finally he just starts turning and goes, starts walking out. And he had to, he came in on a corner. So he's going to the corner. So I went to full draw on him and I go, he's 41 yards right there. So I went ahead and I put my 40 yard pin at the top of his heart. And just as he, before uh, he was going to, get to the where I couldn't shoot anymore I went ahead and I let it go 
And that arrow was just tracking and tracking. And right before the arrow hit him, he turned and he turned out of the arrow. And instead of hitting him right at the heart, I ended up going right, like barely going to the brisket. Oh. And, and I, I, it's like I saw the arrow, you know, hanging. And he took off and uh, we, we just looked at the footage, went back to camp, looked at the footage. I didn't want to push him. And, and I'm going, man, I, it looks like I got him in the heart. But the arrow never got into the cavity. And uh, we, we went to, out the very first light the next morning and we looked all day. And uh, Larry and Ryan found blood really good. He went into an uncut Milo field. And for, Ooh, we looked for luck. that deer. Yeah, we, we looked for that deer for three days, but he, he was fine. He made it. And uh, he actually showed up back on camera like 10 days later. He was out there chasing does. Oh. So, 180 plus inch deer. You know, so I mean, I, it was awesome, and I'll be honest with you, I'm glad if I if if, if everything that I could say, I'm just glad he uh, he made it through. You right. know, it, I, I would rather him not die from that shot and be okay than being out there suffering or you know not not you know expiring somewhere that we couldn't find him. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he made it. So, but uh, so that I I didn't sleep for three days. That was horrible. I don't know how you could 180 yeah. inch deer. I mean. Yeah. That's a once in a lifetime deer, if you ask yeah. me. So there's strike one. So I get back to Iowa, and I'm I'm sitting here self filming, and I got my DSD uh, buck decoy out, and I see a nice buck coming in. He's crossing the creek, and he comes in, and he's coming through a uh, uncut cornfield. I'm sorry, uh, uh, uncut cornfield, and he finally comes to the point, and uh, right where the point is, the that part of the field was cut. So I had my decoy out there at 30 yards. And I'm just sitting there, and he comes right in. He starts circling back towards my buck decoy, and uh, I'm in a, I'm in a tower blind. And I go, I turn, I got the camera on. I'm filming him. I'm making sure my white balance is right. I'm making sure I'm not soft on the on the on the clarity. I'm in. Everything's in focus. I grab my bow. He's coming around. He's coming into the back end of the decoy. I had my uh, Winsent you running, Winsent unit running with my pure whitetail stuff in there and uh he's he's smelling that and he's getting all gomered up he's starting to get like this sideways i i, I go grab my bow and i'm i look through the camera just before i go to full draw to make sure everything's okay and i see something go like this and well what the hell heck was that and i look up my window is shut oh. because of windy so i had to go i had to come out of full draw grab the window put the window no. back up Square my knock up real quick, go back to full draw again. I look over at the camera, I see it do it again. I go, You gotta be kidding me. I come out of draw, pull the window up, and I go to full draw again. This time he's he's cornered away to me, and I go, I go, I gotcha. And I just come up on him and I go to the lower third and I just let the release go. And I saw him do the same thing the buck did in Kansas. He turned like that. No. And, yeah. And I did the same. I it, arrow went right through and uh I, I looked, he was fine. I saw that deer two days later. So that was the last shot I got this year. Jeez. I want to, I want to, I, I want to circle back on something because it's something that I've noticed by watching a lot of uh, RTG is that you guys use a lot of decoys and probably one of the only people that use decoys a lot. Yeah. I love them. I mean, I, they're a great tool. Um, you know, if you're self filming, it takes your, it takes the deer attention off of you. So if you got to move the camera or if you got to, you know, if you got to hit the ND filter real quick or if you got whatever, that deer's not, 
he's not looking at you. He's looking at that buck. And I, I just love rattling and, you know, grunting at him. And um, I, I tell you, Larry Mack's way better using him. And Phillip, Larry Mack and Philip are probably two of the best bow hunters I know with decoy use. I've learned a lot in the last three years by those guys. Is there I, is there a scenario that it works better over another or – is there a time of year or uh, the week before Halloween? You you get that buck out, buck decoy out there, and I, I'll use it all the way till the first uh, of December when when our bow season shuts down for shotgun. Um, I mean, it just it just works. And I mean, think about it. How many times have you been sitting out in your stand and stuff? And you, you know, after post rut, you start seeing one or two bucks running together. So if you got a buck decoy set up there in a food source in a corner or by a travel corridor and a buck comes out, you know, he's naturally going to get curious. They're such curious critters. You know, he might just feed right into you and give you an opportunity. I, I, I just love hunting with them. And so, so that time in, in early in or late October, you're running them and you're smashing antlers and that whole pre-rut type thing and just using it to your advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. First, uh, you know, from October 18th, 19th, I'll take my rattling horns with me and, I'll just tickle them, you know, when the tines here, just tickle, tickle, mm-hmm. and I'll hit my grunt tube. And um, if I see a if I see a buck come in, and it, it's in my uh, shooting lane, or if I it, it's not going to commit and come in, or if I see one off in the distance, I'll I'll tickle those antlers. Just you know, they might get curious, you know, to come and give me an opportunity. But I usually wait till about the the seventeenth, eighteenth of October to start rattling. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I just had noticed that you guys had used them a ton, and I was like. You never really see a lot of other people running the decoys. Yeah. Well, I they uh, they work. I had several deer come right into them this year. I, I had one I probably should have shot. He was a really nice nine. Uh, he had six on one side and three on the other. And I just – I didn't shoot him because I, I had him at 20 yards. And he was, he was coming in all gomer trying to smash the decoy. And, and I just took – I just watched – filmed him abusing my decoy, you know, but <laughs> – yeah, that's hunting. I mean, you know, Dar- Larry calls me the deer watcher. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Larry's the killer. I'm the deer watcher. So he just brings you along to scout out for you, and then he moves in and kills him. Uh, I tell you what, Larry. We uh, Larry and Philip get to hunt on uh, one of my the one of the leases I have here in Iowa. They, we all hunt on that together, and they've uh, they've done good. They've tagged out two years in a row. So they, uh, he, awesome. whenever they have a tag, so right, right. Oh, yeah. because yeah, because they're non-residents, right? So it's right. tough for them to yeah, get they, tags. Yeah. So whenever they got a tag, they uh, I think Phillips. Yeah, Phillips got one, and Larry's got one, and uh, they've done good. So that's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. Hey, I really want to dive into this new project that you've kind of gone in, and obviously that's kind of really what this is kind of centralized around. Because I am so glad that you guys brought me on here to talk about the outdoors damn weight loss formula. It is <laughs> <laughs> you know, as being outdoorsmen and sportsmen, it it is something that is needed. Um, so we definitely want to dive into that. I think that you you your mean protein shakes are phenomenal. We're so. out of shape. Until it's hunting season. <laughs> Is that what you're pointing out? Because I agree. <laughs> Nothing will remind you you're out of shape till you got to drag a deer out. Well, and, and having this new sponsorship with with you, with your uh, weight loss program, we, we really appreciate it, honestly, Dan. Yeah, trust me. The older you get, the worse it gets, too, man. You look at a Twinkie, you gain five pounds. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But, Fair enough. I'm, I'm excited about uh, the new network. I, uh, you know, doing the radio show for 25 years, um, that's really been my favorite thing to do because you get to enter, you know, 
with TV, you're talking at people through a, you know, you're talking to the camera on radio, you get to have a conversation. And that's what I've always loved about that medium. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, I've got people that have been listening to me, uh, God bless them for a long, long time. And uh, they'll email me and say, Hey, you remember when you were doing deer call karaoke and uh, all this other crazy <laughs> stuff? And I said, yeah, I remember that. That was kind of, that was crazy. And um, that's really all the radio things always been my favorite, but you know, with you, your generation, you know, terrestrial radio is, I can see some changes coming up and people are, are they're migrating over to the podcast side. Um, they, they basically want to be able to listen on demand. They want to be able to take that with them and they don't want to have to be tied to a car radio or, you know, they want to be able to pull, take their iPhone or their tablet or Android and or wherever and wherever they're at, if they want to listen to something, that's, that's the way that the, the, the millennial is it millennial still is it the millennials yeah you're still in the millennial area well see i'm millennial but then there's gen z there's like there's a million and other ones so it's, it's, it's that's, that's that's the popular thing now so yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, it's more so the millennial gen c is still kind of the you know i still like my radio in my car yeah but i hate the way the radio works now because you get two songs and 25 commercials and it's just oh, not what it used to be the talk yeah. shows you got to go on AM and wait until you know eleven o'clock at night to get a good radio show. Well, so, that's because the atmosphere, you know that that AM right. signal forever at night. You know? Exactly. So, well, I the way the technology has finally caught up um, to what I, to something I've been wanting to do for a long time. We basically got we're the, I I believe that I'm the first person in the industry to to have their own twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five day outdoor radio station. So uh, the Outdoor Call Radio Network is nothing but hunting, fishing, cooking, camping uh, content all through the week. It's all free. Um, I reached out to a bunch of my friends like you guys that do podcast shows, and I went ahead and I programmed. I've got three to four shows playing every day. Uh, we do we give out prizes every week. We do the phrase that pays. Um, I just picked up another show. Um, I don't know if you guys heard Hank Shaw. Uh, Thursdays is our cooking cooking show. We got Scotty Lisa from the Sporting Chef and Dead Meat mm-hmm. off the Outdoor Channel. Okay, and then Hank, Hank Shaw is uh, one of the best outdoor cookbook authors out there. Hunter, angler, gardener, cook. I mean, he's got some really good uh, outdoor books. And uh, Hank and uh, Scotty have been uh, headlining Thursdays, doing all the cooking content. We just picked up another gentleman, Jonathan Odell. Uh, and Paul, they do a, a really good cooking uh, outdoor show, and I, they just signed on today. So things are popping, and uh, uh, it's always going to be free for the listeners. I want this to be something that folks can go gravitate to when they're in the blind or if they're in the mm-hmm. truck. You know, if you're out there fishing and you 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 know you don't want to hear the nonsense going on with what's going on in our country, you want to hear something about hunting, fishing, or outdoor cooking. You want to hear something that's going to make you happy instead of upset you. And that's why that's what inspired the Outdoor Call Radio. Um, I'm going to be able to do that the rest of my life, hopefully. And uh, I can program it. I can do whatever we want. I actually put a new live show on there on Wednesdays called the Wednesday Drive. So mm-hmm. uh, it's Andrew and myself doing a new show from 5 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then eventually I'm going to pull my Iowa show off of ESPN. And uh, we'll be on Saturday morning, 7 to 9 on the Outdoor Call Radio app. And the, the beauty of that is it's available in 120 countries and uh, I can go live. If I wanted to do a live show seven days a week, I can, I have the availability to do that because I control the network. Right. 
and the, the cool thing is that it's an app, so it's its own platform. Yeah, yeah it's you its can, own platform. Yeah. If you have Android, if you have Apple, you can you can get it anywhere. Don't so it's forget, just don't forget about Alexa. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Alexa. That's yeah, even better. If you go, hey Alexa, play the Outdoor Call Radio uh, app. She's gonna go. Well, I will. You big stud muffin. <laughs> there you go. Alexa loves the outdoors, man. She thinks it's sexy. She is. She's into it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and we do want to thank you. Seriously, thank you for. Uh, having us on board with that and being a part of that. Oh, no, I need to thank you guys. I mean, I could honestly, I, it'd be hard for me to do that if it wasn't for you guys and uh, the guys from Keystone Experience. And uh, we're doing brand new shows that have never been done before. I got Nathan Brooks and Darren Christianberry, two of the most respective outdoor, indoor 3D shooters yep. out there. Uh, we do a show every Monday called The Hunting for Exes. Um, I've got the guys from Spurs Up Calls out of Mississippi doing a show called Thunder at Daybreak. I got Fred Eichler. Fred and Michelle Eichler have been buddies of mine for 25 years. Uh, Michelle, when her family owned Muzzy Broadheads, she was my second sponsor I ever had. Uh, it was Matthews and Muzzy. Those were my first two sponsors. And I'll always be grateful. And uh, when her and Fred got married, uh, we became buddies. And uh, just I'm grateful to have Fred on on Fridays and having Hank and Scott and uh, now Jonathan and Paul on Thursdays. And uh, we got George Lynch, uh, who has a brand new uh, waterfowl company called Legendary Gear. He's doing Wednesdays. And Michael Lee from Backwoods Life. You know Michael Lee, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Michael Lee and Kevin Knighton. I got Michael Lee on Wednesdays doing the Backwoods Life show. Um, it, honestly, I couldn't do it without all of you guys. And uh, I'm very grateful for all of you for helping me out. And uh, I, it's going well. It, everybody's been really, uh, that's listened to it's liked it. So, so. And and I think the, one of the coolest things is the phase that that pays. The phase, like, I mean, that you, pays? yeah. I mean, you have you have all of these things like you're giving away all kinds of stuff, gift cards, and all kinds of crazy stuff constantly. Outdoors, Dan boxer shorts, uh, bobbleheads. <laughs> yeah, we got some great prizes, man. What's better than that? Yeah, I mean, I'll take two. I mean, can I buy them? <laughs> we got the Larry Mac uh, El Natural calendar. Larry, Larry out there with nothing but his bow. Uh, I'm a little bit worried crazy. about it. <laughs> Come on, man! Everybody loves Larry Mack. Oh, we love Larry Mack. No but, questions about that. Does that happen? Is that during doe season? Uh, well, he he's 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 kind of partial to sloppy does. So. Okay, okay, just just clarifying. There's nothing yeah. wrong with sloppy does, man. I love no, sloppy no. does. If I can't have sloppy does at least twice a week, I'm not happy. That's right. Especially <laughs> sloppy dough tacos, man. Those are That's, really yeah. good call. Yeah, we, uh, no, Trev, you know, we do that. We've been doing that on my program, my regular radio shows for years. We do the Outdoors Dan Trivia Challenge. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought, you know, what it, what a better way to get people engaged in the network, do the phrase that pays if they listen. And then if they go to the outdoorcallradio.com, which is my website, uh, you can find my email right there. Just email me your name and address and the phrase that pays. And then every week I draw a name. I just I just sent a gentleman a fifty dollar gift card to Game High Clothing uh, Friday. Very nice. Nothing better than that. Yeah, we got some great prizes, man. We got uh, we're going to give away a brand new shotgun this year. I've got fifty dollar gift cards to Sportsman's Warehouse, Game High Clothing. Uh, we're going to give away a Grizzly Cooler. We're giving away a couple Elite Bows. Um, I've got a twenty five hundred dollar camping package. We're going to be giving away this summer. I got cookies, barbecue sauce, uh, travel kits. We're going to be giving away. Um, I've got a $3,500 whitetail hunt. Somebody's going to win later in the year and maybe get to go hunt with us on Respect the Game. I, th uh, I think you tagged that one for me and Trev already. 
Yeah, uh, well, we'll have to see. We'll have we can't. To see. We can't win. We're part of the, oh, the Outdoor yeah, Call yeah. Radio, bud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, we got Slick Trick Broadhead. I mean, we got. I mean, I got like fifteen, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff to give away this year. So, how about the popcorn? Don't you guys have famous popcorn out there? Uh, a lot of pop popcorn. If you come to it's Des Moines, fun. Iowa, you got to go up to Ankeny, Iowa, which is like ten minutes away, and go to a lot of pop popcorn. It's awesome. They got like seventy flavors of popcorn. Jeez. You did a show there not too long ago, like, yeah, and and yeah. and the flavors were incredible. Like, Chunky Monkey, and uh, they got, yeah, they got uh, jalapeno pe- jalapeno pe- uh, pepper ch- uh, bacon cheddar. I'm sold. Um, yeah, birthday cake. I know that it tastes just like a birthday cake. Um, there's some, there's some, there's some good stuff, man. That's crazy. I yeah. can't. What what is what is Des Moines Des Moines Des Moines Des Moines totally like? What what's the number one famous thing in Des Moines? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, the Iowa State Fair, probably. Okay. That's, yeah, I mean, they draw over well over a million folks a year at the fair there. And wow. I, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we got the Iowa Cubs, which is the Chicago Cubs AAA affiliate. Um, yeah, we went to their stadium and had breakfast last year. Oh, that's <laughs> right. We did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, the Iowa Wild, that's the Minnesota Wilds AAA hockey teams here now. Uh, Des Moines is a great, it's a great look. Yeah. You know, being from St. Louis, when I go back home, man, St. Louis is, it's just, it's a monster of a city. I mean, it's, I don't know, uh, you guys, you know how you've been in Pittsburgh and stuff like that. Yeah. I, a city. Yep. Uh, the people are just super nice. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, you got everything in the world you'd ever want here. So, I mean, there's. And a the Deer Classic. Yeah, Iowa Deer Classic coming up next week. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the only experience I have in St. Louis is flying in, waiting on a bus to get to Fort Leonard Wood and looking around going. What's going on in this city? <laughs> no, there's great deer hunting down in Fort Leonardwood. Oh, I know. Trust me, I was there having to watch it, but couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, it was well, brutal. You, you service down there? Yeah, I went through yeah. some training down there and just sitting yeah. there watching during deer season. I'm like, this is incredible. This is yeah, nuts. There's, there's, there's some good hunting down in there. Yeah. So, Dan, what do you, what do you got coming up for this season? What's the big things that you got going on? Well, uh, turkey season's coming up. Uh, that'll I'll start turkey hunting first of April, and uh, then I'm gonna so I'll go Kansas, Iowa, and then probably Missouri, and uh, maybe uh, like I said, I'm gonna be coming out to Pennsylvania uh, April 9th and 10th at that big outdoor show there in uh, Greenburg, Pennsylvania. I'm gonna be out there doing turkey seminars. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then maybe when I get back, I might, uh, I might try to shoot and, uh, go to Nebraska and, and get a bird there. It just depends what we need on the shows. So, mm-hmm. and, and what's, what's kind of big or some, is there anything to come with the outdoor call radio? Like anything that's not really been talked about? What do you mean? Like you got anything coming out, anything new, anything exciting Any surprises? Anything to look forward to? You mean surprises? like a big announcement? No, we don't really need an announcement, but just maybe somebody wants to know something. Uh, honestly, no, uh, this is only our, uh, eighth week. Can you believe that? We've only been on the, on the air eight weeks. Well, so. really, it seems a lot longer than that. Well, no, there was a lot of build up and preparation work. Yeah. I had to, I had to keep pushing the date back cause, uh, <laughs> I had to make sure the servers and stuff were working, mm-hmm. but now, um, no, everything's uh, status quo. Mondays are tech talk and, uh, turkeys Tuesdays. Our tight line Tuesdays, I've got Aaron Martin with Bass Edge and uh, Jason Mitchell Outdoors. Uh, they both do television and radio programs. So those guys are doing all the fishing content. Wednesdays is George and Michael Lee and uh, 
the guys from Keystone and then Andrew and I on at five o'clock Thursdays is all the cooking with Scotty and Hank and then now Jonathan and, and Paul and Fridays is food plot and Fred Eichler Fridays I've got uh, the guys from Backwoods Attraction Ben and I that's a new show that we started uh, eight weeks ago and I, I'll be honest I'm learning more about food plots than I ever have in my life uh, you know when's the, you know what's the type of grasses and lagoons and all, everything that you would need to put in certain areas what what are no-till what are, what did you actually have to go put and uh, put stuff yep. in the ground to help uh, that if you're wanting to know anything about food plots that show called the healthy herd with Ben and I is a great show to listen to. Um, and then the uh, everything Eichler with Fred. I mean, what else do you need right there? And then Saturday, Saturday is like a hodgepodge of all my outdoors dance stuff. And then Sunday's a recap where you guys and everybody else, I rotate all the shows on Sunday. If you miss it on whatever your day schedule is, you get a chance on Sundays to hear it again. So That's awesome. And it can be heard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 365 nice. days a year. How did you even come up with all that? What do you mean? Well, How did I you did... come up with the Outdoor Call Radio? Oh, the Outdoor Call Radio? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I, You mean the name? No, the, the, the program is itself, the, the, the app. Well, the theory, from the doing, background. From just doing the radio shows. for I, I, I wanted to have a, a radio station that was totally outdoors driven. And, uh, you know, it just, um, just being lucky enough to, to be a radio host for 25 years is it just kind of came natural to clock it out and, you know, format it and uh, the rest is history. So. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and you've been in the industry forever. So you kind of knew where, where to go with it. Right. So it was. Yeah. yeah. You're taking the, yeah. the traditional radio, this is how it's done and converting it to a way that uh, the millennials and Gen Z and all of <laughs> yeah, us can yeah. actually enjoy it without having yeah. to dial it in on a radio. Yeah. And, you know, like you can listen on your Alexa or your iPad or, you know, uh, your computer. Uh, if you go to the outdoor call radio.com, I've got a player on the homepage. You don't even have to download the app. I would, you need to download the app so that way you can take part in the prizes and stuff. Um, but uh, there's a player on there. If you just want to listen in the office, the nice thing about it is if you got CarPlay in your vehicle, you can plug your phone right into your car play and listen through your car system. So yep. it's just like, it's you're it's just like listening to XM or Sirius. It's, you know, they've got an app and I've got an app. So it's, but mine's free. Yeah. You haven't sold out. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I looked at it this way. I mean, I've, my partners on the Saturday show, I own that show. So we're doing good and uh, we've been doing good for a long time. We've been very blessed. And I, I just wanted to give back to, my fellow outdoors folks. And, you know, I wanted to do something I still loved and had a passion for. Plus I had a little bit of control. So I, you know, hopefully I can, can keep it, keep it going for another 10 or 15 years. And, uh, I just, this, like I said, technology finally came up with, uh, mm -hmm. what I wanted to do and it's been working good so far. I mean, do you guys like it? Have you been listening? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, I tune in. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love it. It really is. It's a great, yeah, great. I, I like the concept of it. I really do. And, yeah. and to get onto it, and then to learn about new new shows. So then you can leave from there and go and feed back on some of the old shows that you missed out on. You know what yeah, I'm saying? And, I mean, that's yeah, a great thing. It doesn't matter. It's, it all loops. So like right. you guys, there's Hunting for Axes, and then we have uh, the uh, Thunder at Daybreak, and then we have the Outdoor Drive with you guys on Mondays. So um, I, I do run partner commercials in between there. We mm -hmm. do the Praise of Pace. Have you heard the new liners I did? With no. The, with the turkey calls and the elk bugle? I haven't so, caught that one. 
I'm gonna have to oh check it out. Shame on you. Yep, you got us there. Yeah. Yep. See, folks. There you go. There you post you right there. <laughs> Wait till I see him next week. I'm gonna get the old beard trimmer out on that boy. <laughs> do You'll it. be the third person that tried to do that to me. Yeah, that's right. I'll have Larry Mack hold you down. I'll, I'll I won't I won't tell you who the first person was that tried to do it. Actually, you know what I will? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say was Chris Chris Brackett tried doing that to me, actually. It's kind of funny. There you go. Anyway, uh, no, it's gonna. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are coming out next week. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, really looking forward to it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, with you being in the industry for the longest time, I guess it's probably a great question for you: Is what do you think over time? With, with time, watching everything grow, what is something that you would like to see in the industry change? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the industry overall is doing really good. Uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you kept hearing every day that, you know, we're losing hunters every year. People aren't, they're losing their places to go hunting. They're losing their the desire to go. Hunting's dying. And, you know, the, when the pandemic hit, the only thing that you could feel safe and secure to go do was to get outdoors and go hunting and fishing. So mm-hmm. I hate to say this because I, I think uh, I think the COVID thing was one of the worst things we've had to endure in my lifetime, our lifetime. But there is a blessing out of it because it, it got a whole new generation of people into hunting and fishing. So if there was a silver lining, that's probably one of them right there. I, I, I'd have to agree with you because we had, what, over a million first-time gun gun buyers. Yeah, I and, mean, you look how many you go to the store, you couldn't find anything to buy. All the mm-hmm. shelves were gone. I mean, if you didn't get your, your gear for hunting season a couple months ahead of time, a lot of folks were out of luck because so many more people were doing it. And, and the thing is that, it, like with the shows, for example, how many people are going to the shows? They're all buying. They're all they're all so indulged in what's going on every you know, with the industry and building it back up to where it needs to be. Well, you guys were just in Harrisburg. I mean, I heard mm-hmm. that was shoulder to shoulder and yep. people were spending money like crazy. Yeah. People it were was, running it out of great. products constantly. Yeah. Our friends from uh spy high mounting system, they ran out of products. That's that is good. The, the best show that they've ever had. And they go, to, I'm, yeah, when guys, I say they go to every show, they go every. to every show. They have yeah. three crews and they just bounce around everywhere. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if there's anything that really needs to change. I think things are better um, just for the simple fact you got more people out there recreating and hunting and fishing and camping, hiking. Um, there's more products out there than I've ever seen before as far as, you know, new innovations. I just bought an e-bike yesterday. Uh, you know, I, I've got a Polaris and um, I, I was out shed hunting with my dog and I found two or three different travel corridors that, um, I didn't know that we're there. So I, you know, and I was talking to Larry Mack, I said, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to go hunt this other property, but I know if I try to ride in there a couple hundred yards with my Polaris from my stand, uh, I I'm going to, they're probably going to hear me coming. And, uh, as I get older, you know, carrying my camera my tripod or my camera arms, my decoys and stuff, I'm, you know, it's hard for me to keep carrying all that stuff. Um, it, where I was 30 years ago, so that e-bike, uh, I got me a little trailer to go with it, and I can throw all my gear in there, and I can, I can go set up 10, 15 yards from where I'm going to hunt, and the, the game is not going to know I'm there. So I, I think there's so there's so many new more innovations out. Look at Onyx. What I wouldn't have gave for Onyx 15, 20 years ago. 
You right. know, I'll tell you a real quick story. And I, I don't know if either of you are going to remember this or not, but this is, this is, I, I told this the other night on the radio and I had a bunch of people tell me they, they thought it was awesome. When I, when I first started hunting, one of the things that was out was a little deal called a trail timer. It was a little oh, L- yep. L- LCD little block, LCD clock that had string on it. You got one? Does oh, he got I one? Got, I got piles of them. Hold on. Do you really? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, we go, we would go find our, our trails and, you know, look for travel corridors and pinch points and stuff. And then yep. we go take the little trail timers and we put that string across the, the trail. And then when the deer or whatever, something came walking through and pulled that string out, that clock would flash what time that animal came through. There you go. Do you remember, do you remember this one? This is an old analog one. No, no. See, the ones I'm talking about, Trevor, about the size of a credit card. These these ones. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 These are the originals. These are the, they had the actual ticking clock inside of them and they would do the same thing. I haven't seen one of them in years. Yeah. And this was, that's how I was when I was a kid. That's what I grew up around was this, was the trail timers. Sorry. Yeah, and, and you no, know, it's. I mean, we. You were so excited. Hey, at three forty nine p.m., there was a something right at my stand. Mm-hmm. You know, and now now you fast forward today, where you know you go and you look at your phone and you got trail cam pics zooming right yep. to your phone as they happen. I mean, technology is amazing. Um, the bows. You know, I'm going to brag on Elite a little bit here in full transparency. They're one of my partners, and I work for Elite with the outdoor group because they own Respect the Game TV, but. Um, you know, the bows compared to when I started, like talking about the, the old cables and 45 inch long bows mm-hmm. to the, to the bows that we have now, you can shoot a shorter axle, longer brace height bow and not have to shoot 75, 80 pounds. You can shoot. I, I got my bow cranked all the way down to 58 pounds. Now with the way they're engineered now, you don't have to shoot all that poundage to get the penetration and the foot pounds that you did 50, 20, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think technology is amazing now. It's incredible. And some of my fondest memories are going out and checking trail tam- cameras. Yeah. I mean, tra- trail timers. I remember it like it was yesterday. My I'm dad really would bring us out. That is, Trev, honestly. Because well, a lot of us don't. No, and they really don't. And see, I have like a little collectibles like cabinet in the yeah. man cave. And it's got yeah. all kinds of stuff. The original... I have the original Thunderheads and still in the packet. I mean, I collect all that. I'll see it in little, you know, like at like tag sales and stuff. And I always have to buy it. Just oh, no, that's good. That's awesome, man. I, I'm a, what built us. Yeah, I, I I've got my own little corner of uh, of old stuff too. I, it's hard to get rid of it, you know, because it's so mm-hmm. much. It's part of you, you know. But it's a memory, and you know, you get a lot of people that come down into the studio or whatever. And they're like, what is that? Like, that's so cool. And I'm like, how do you not know what a trail timer is? Like, come on, dude. Like, that's what, that's what we always used to do. But who knows? It could have been a squirrel that set that thing off a raccoon. Who knew, yeah. you know, like I have no idea. It could have been Bigfoot. Cool. It was just cool. Right. So, absolutely. so we got about 10 minutes left. You guys want to ask me some Turkey stuff? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, do you, what would you like us to ask you, Dan? <laughs> it's your show. I'm just here. I'm just here hanging out, drinking my pop. Pop. That's a Midwest thing, huh? Well, back home we call it soda, but when I moved up to Iowa, it was yeah, pop. pop. So it's, yeah, because if I asked for a soda, they looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" I, so I'm then, sorry. what happens when you start to come east? What do they call it out here, Stephen? Pap. Pap. <laughs> you get that northeast, and you get that pap. 
it's really not, but we figured <laughs> figured it'd be funny, right? Throw that so. New England accent into pop. <laughs> so what are you doing? I'm gonna go park my car in the yard. <laughs> the Haba yard. It's the Haba yard, Dan. Yeah. Haba yard. Yeah. So so Dan, why don't you take us through a hunt of yours? Like a like a like a turkey hunt. Like what do you do in the morning? Or do you have them pre roosted? What kind of guy are you? Are you running gun? Well, I bow hunt everything, so I've got to set up because I'm filming it. So I, okay. I've always got a, bl- a ground blind. So what I'll usually do is I'll go. I, I pretty much hunt the same areas every year. I kind of know where those birds are going to be roosted at. So I'll get out there the night before and I'll, I'll uh, run an owl hooter. If it's in the mid afternoon, I'll use a crow call and you <laughs> know see hooters. if I can get them to fire, <laughs> yeah get them to fire off and uh, and then once I know where they're at, I'll go ahead and set up. And then, um, what I'll do is I'll de- historically, well, I, I like to put three deeks out and I always set my deeks out about 10 to 12 yards. So I, I got a, I use a Jake, I'll use a posturing Jake or a strutting Jake, and then I'll use a feeding hen and a, a semi alert hen or a leading hen. And I'll make a little triangle. I'll put the Jake at the apex and then I'll put the hens closer to the blind and uh and then i'll wait till the next morning i try to get out about 45 50 minutes before it starts cracking and uh, so i want to hear those first birds waking up you know making those tree calls and then gobbles and then uh it just depends how close they are if they're pretty close i won't usually call until i hear them fly down if they're about 150 175 yards away um i'll i'll go ahead and i'll just start doing some excited yelp or you know soft yelps first and i'll do some exciting yelps and and then once I hear them fly down, I'll call a few times. And then once they answer me, they'll gobble. I'll shut up for about three to five minutes and then I'll hit them again. I'll, I'll usually start out with three or four yelps and then I'll do a couple clucks and then I'll do three or four or five yelps. And then if they gobble, I'll wait a few minutes and do it again. I, I, I One of the mistakes that I that I was doing when I first started that were that the reason I wasn't successful, I was calling way too often and way too loud. And honestly, folks, you know, turkeys will make anywhere from 26 to 28 different vocalizations. You don't have to know all those. If you can learn to yelp, cluck, and purr, um, and, and do an excited yelp, that's really only calls you really need to know to be successful. You know, um, I, I love using a friction call or a slate call and a box call. Those are my two go-tos. I'll use a mouth call. I suck at mouth calling. <laughs> I, I do. I sound, I sound like a wounded seal out there. um, but i can i can yelp and cluck with a mouth call now where when i first started i couldn't hardly do it very well but um i'll just i'll when the birds are uh 80 85 75 yards i'll i'll put that diaphragm call in in case i need to do a little something like that Mm -hmm. um uh, because you can't i don't have time to to take the call put it down grab the camera and my bow um but I, that's usually the calling sequences. If they're out there and they've got hens with them, um, I'll try and, and try to be the sexiest hen in the woods. I'll, I'll get I'll do excited yelping and I'll start cutting a little bit and see if I can get them to pull away or get one of the other toms to pull away. But most of the time, I try to do a little more. I, my philosophy is less is more. You know, if you just be patient uh, and take your time. And like I said, I've shot 90 birds as of last spring. Uh, with my bow and eight, uh, I would say probably 75, 80% of those birds have been between 10 AM and 2 PM. Yep. If you just, if you're just patient, if they got hens with them, the, the, you know, it's hard to compete with the real thing. If they got hens with them, let them do their thing in the morning. And then about nine 30, 10 o'clock, if you can just be patient, um, those birds are going to start wandering off and looking for new girlfriends or new opportunities. 
and uh, you can find them a little easier to call. Or if you got if you got little kids, or you know, if you're not a very patient person, instead of getting up at 4:30, sleep in until 7:30, 8 o'clock, and then make you know just ease into your blind, and then wait, let everything settle down for half an hour, 40 minutes, and then start calling. And you know, you, you should be pretty good. I mean, that 10 to 2 is magic, man. I, that's that's a great time to call a gobbler in. I think I've killed 90% of my birds in that time. Not that I've killed a lot, but yeah. ten to, that 10 to 2 is that's that's definitely a, a killer killer time. Yeah, that's magic time. Yeah, yeah, that gives me time to get my pop, get my diet Mountain Dew out, or my Mountain <laughs> Dew Zero, and my Pop Tart, and and uh, have my have my breakfast, and I'm ready to rock. Nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah. Dan, why don't we wrap this thing up? Why don't you tell us what drives you outdoors, Dan? What drives me outdoors? Honestly, uh, I, I just think it's uh, it's uh, it's probably just being out there and seeing nature uh, involving around me. And uh, every time the sun comes up in the morning to when it's sun, the sun sets, I mean, I just see so many things out there that every time I go out, I, I learn something. And uh, it's it's not the successes so much that drives me; it's the failures because I screw I still mess up just like everybody else. And when when you mess up it just, it puts a burr under you to get back out there the next day and, and resolve the situation. So I would think that's what drives me that. And I like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's the most important thing, right? So what drives you outdoors is your stomach then. Yeah, yeah. See, and that, that's one more upside to Turkey season is if you don't get the Turkey, you can still get the uh, morels. You can still get the yeah. asparagus, you know, there's still food to be had. <laughs> there's the Trinity of the spring crappie mushrooms and turkeys. There's your, yes. there's your, yep. absolutely. Yep. That and I just want to make sure Larry Mack's proud of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, something that's kind of crazy and, and you guys, the Midwesterners think it's absolutely acidine, but we don't do a lot of crappie fishing up here. Pan fishing is not a thing. Yeah. Well, you know, there's certain parts of the Midwest that, you know, crappies aren't that big. It's, you know, you go up to Minnesota or uh, Wisconsin, everybody's after the walleye and the sauger. And I love walleye. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But man, you can catch some monster crappies up in Minnesota. So that's all we right. We have a monster here, but nobody targets them. So yeah, it's great. You know, <laughs> find a good hole of them. That's just more for the, for the, I, I don't know. You guys got so many things out there. You got snakeheads and burbots and uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't keep track of what all you got out there to fish for. There's you something new know. every year. Yeah. Don't go to the ocean. <laughs> Yeah. Before we close real quick now, are you guys flying in next week? Are you coming in? Yes, sir. I will definitely 100% be there. Yeah. Steve, you're not coming? I will probably not be able to. I just had to front the bill for the seed for the property, and uh, that kind of wiped out my plane tickets. So, I mean, how's that going to be when the face of the outdoor drive is not coming? What do you You mean? He's already there. I'm just the producer. (laughs) I'm the producer. (laughs) I thought you were the face of the of the deal. No, no. See, see, I've got. I have the premier face for radio. (laughs) You catch my line. You can't steal the. (laughs) I'm only teasing, folks. Trevor's the Trevor's the man. You know, East Coast Trev, right? I've known him as East Coast Trev forever. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that that was the plan, but. the seed bill come up and we're getting everything set up on a, a new hundred acres. And I, I figured I better make the investment down there. So hunting season's decent. Well, that's all right. You guys are going to have to come out to Iowa and hunt with us sometime. Well, more than We've been putting to. in for the tags, man. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I want to go so bad. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that's the only thing about Iowa. It takes you about four or five years to draw. So, mm-hmm. yep. especially the zone. Yeah, we're yeah. we're patient. I I grew up in Arizona putting in for elk, so I I got patient oh, yeah. for tags. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for inviting me on. It's been it was an honor that you even asked. So thank you very much for doing that. Oh no, thank you for everything you do for us. Dave. The the least we could do. Uh, before we cut off, real quick though, where can everybody find you once again? How can they get the show, and where can they get a hold of you? Uh, if they want to hear the the Outdoor Call Radio Network, you just go to iTunes, Google Play, or Alexa, and just look up the Outdoor Call Radio app, and uh, it's free. Just download it, and then you can just punch it in and listen. Uh, you could, if you want more information about other stuff, just go to theoutdoorcallradio.com. That's the website, and that's got the schedule and. Uh, you can find the outdoor, uh, like you guys, the outdoor drive, uh, just click on your link on your, uh, logo and it goes right to your website. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook under outdoors, Dan or Dan young, uh, Instagram. And uh, I believe the, the, the Twitter thing or whatever that's called. Yeah. You got me. That's, that's Trev's room. I let him deal with that. <laughs> I don't even know what that what is. is. Bleeder, tweeter. What is twit, twit. Yeah. Twitting. <laughs> I don't twit. I don't tweet. Twitter. I don't tweet. Sheep shit. <laughs> no, that is sheep shit. Yeah. That's my grandma can follow me. You be nice. Okay, sorry. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. You tell Nana you're sorry, Trevor. I'm sorry, Nana. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Dan, we appreciate you jumping on here, and uh, not only for jumping on, but for sharing us through your platform. It, it's a really wonderful situation. So everybody listening, if you like what we're doing here and you want to hear more, like-minded content in all the different realms make sure you go over and check this out get online download the app that is very important in this situation and uh, from there just turn it on and let her rip yeah i appreciate it guys and i appreciate the partnership as well thank you no problem guys appreciate everything and until then we want to thank you for taking the ride right here on the outdoor drive